0: CHAPTER Twenty-One OF THE RANGELAND AVENGER BY MAX BRAND THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN It seemed patent to Bill Sanderson earlier that afternoon that fate had stacked the cards against Riley Sinclair. Bill Sanderson, indeed, believed in fate. He felt that great hidden forces had always controlled his life. Moving him hither and yon, according to their pleasure to the dreamy mind of the mystic men are accidents and all they perform are the dictates of the power and the brain of the other world sanderson could tell at what definite moments hunches had seized him he had looked at the side of the mountain and suddenly felt without any reason or volition on his part that he was impelled to search that mountain-side for gold-bearing ore. He had never fallen into the habit of using his reason. He was a wonderful gambler, playing with singular abandon and usually winning. It mattered not what he held in his hand. If the urge came to him and the surety that he was going to bet, he would wager everything in his wallet, all that he could borrow on a pair of trays, and when such a fit was on him. The overwhelming confidence that shone in his face usually overpowered the other men sitting in at the game. More than once a full house had been laid down to his wretched pair. There were other occasions when he had lost the very boots he wore, but the times of winning naturally overbalanced the losses in the mind of Bill. It was not he had won. It was not he who lost. It was fate which ruled him, and that fate, he felt at present, had sided against Riley Sinclair. A sort of pity for the big cowpuncher had moved him. He knew that he and Quade and Lowry deserved death in its most terrible form for their betrayal of Hal Sinclair in the desert, and nothing but fate, he was sure, could save him from the Avenger. Fate, however, had definitely intervened. What saved blind fate? could have stepped into the mind of Sinclair and made him keep cold feet from the rope, when that hanging would have removed forever all suspicion that Sinclair himself had killed Quade. Another man would have attributed both of those actions to common decency in Sinclair. But Sanderson always hunted out more profound reasons, in order to let the fact of his own salvation from Sinclair's gun sink more definitely into his brain. He trotted his horse into the hills that afternoon. When he came back, he heard that the posse was in town. To another, it might have seemed odd that the posse was there instead of on the trail of the outlaws. But Sanderson had never thought so practical a question. To him, it was as clear as day. The posse had been brought to Sour Creek by fate in order that he, Sanderson, might enlist in its ranks and help in the great work of running down Sinclair, for, after all, it was work primarily to his own interest. There was something ironically absurd about it. He, Sanderson, having committed the mortal crime of abandoning House Sinclair in the desert, was now given the support of legal society to destroy the just avenger of that original crime. It was hardly any wonder that Sanderson saw in all this the hand of fate. He went straight to the hotel and up to the room which the sheriff had engaged. Cartwright was coming out with a black face as Sanderson entered. The former turned at the door and faced Kern and the four assistants of the sheriff. "'I'll tell you what you do, you wise gents,' he growled. "'You'll miss him altogether, you hear?' And then he stamped down the hall. Sanderson carefully removed his hat as he went in. He was quite aware that Cartwright must have just been refused a place on the posse, and he did not wish to appear too confident. He paid his compliments to the bunch, except Arizona, to whom he was introduced. The sheriff forestalled his request. "'You've come for a job in the posse, Bill?' Hastily Sanderson cut in before the others should pronounce a final judgment. "'I don't blame you for turning down Cartwright,' he said. A gent like that, who don't know the country, ain't much use on the trail, eh? "'The point is, Bill, I got all the men I need. I don't want a whole gang. But I got a special reason, Sheriff. Besides, a tolerable fast horse that might come in handy for a chase— I sling a tolerable fast gun, Sheriff. But beyond that all, I got a grudge." A grudge? asked the Sheriff, pricking his ears. So did Cartwright have a grudge, cut in Arizona dryly. Perhaps after all, Sanderson felt, fate might not be with him in this quest for Sinclair. He said earnestly, You see, boys, it was me that raised the posse that run down cold feet in the first place. It was me that backed up Sinclair all the way through the trial. And I feel like some sort of the blame for what happened is coming to me. I want to square things up and get a chance at Sinclair. I want it mighty bad. You know me, Kern. Give me a chance, will you?" Well, that sounds like reason, admitted the sheriff, huh, boys? The posse nodded its general head, with the usual exception of Arizona, who seemed to take a particular pleasure in diverging from the judgments of the others. "'Just a minute, gents,' he said. "'Don't it strike you that there's something the same with Cartwright and Sanderson? Both of them in particular anxious to cut in on this party. Both of them has grudges,' Cartwright said. He didn't want no share of the money if he caught Gaspar and Sinclair. Is that right for you, too, Sanderson?" "'It sure is. I want the fun, not the coin,' said Sanderson. "'Boys,' resumed Arizona. "'It rounds up to this. Sinclair came down here to Sour Creek for a purpose.' Sanderson began to listen intently. He even dreaded this fat man from the Southland. "'I don't know what this purpose was,' went on Arizona. But mostly when a gent like Sinclair makes a trip, they's a man at the far end of it. Because this ain't his range. Now, if it's a man, why shouldn't it be one of these two? Cartwright or Sanderson, who both pack grudges against Sinclair. Sinclair Sinclair's resting somewhere up yonder in them hills, I'm sure of that. He's waiting there to get a chance to finish his business in Sour Creek. And that business... Is Cartwright or Sanderson? I don't know which, but I'm again taken in Sanderson. When we're private, I'll tell you my reason why." There was something of an insult in this speech, and the tall man took instant offense. "'Partner,' he drawled, "'it looks to me like them reasons could be spoke personal to me. Suppose you step outside and we talk shop.' Arizona smiled. It took a man of some courage and standing to refuse such an invitation without losing caste. But for some reason Arizona was the last man in the world whom one could accuse of being a coward. Sanderson, he said coldly, I don't mean to step on your toes. You may be as good a man as the next. The reasons I got against you ain't personal, whatever. Which they are things I've got a right to think me a-being an officer of the law for the time being. If you hold a grudge against me for what I've said, you and me can talk it over after this here job's done. Is that square? I suppose it's got to be, replied Sanderson. Gents, does the word of your fat friend go here? Left to themselves, the posse probably would have refused Arizona's advice on general principles but Arizona did not leave them to themselves. Sure, my word goes, he hastened to put in, the sheriff and all of us work like a closed hand, all together. There was a subtle flattery about this that pleased the sheriff and the others. Reckoning it all in all, said the sheriff, I think we'd better figure you out, Sanderson. Besides, there ain't anything to keep you and Cartwright and the rest from rigging up a little posse of your own. Sinclair is up yonder in the hills waiting. Suddenly he stopped. Sanderson was shaken, as if by a violent aug, and his face lost all color, becoming a sickly white. And we're going to find him by ourselves. So long, Sanderson, and thanks for dropping in. No hard feelings, mind. To this friendly dismissal, Sanderson returned no answer. He turned away with a wide staring eye and went through the doorway like a man walking in a dream. Arizona was instantly on his feet. You see, boys, he asked exultantly, I was right. When you said Sinclair was waiting up in the hills, Sanderson was scared. I was right. He's one of them that Sinclair is after. "'and that's why he wanted to throw in with us.' "'And why the devil shouldn't he?' asked the sheriff. "'For a good reason, sheriff. "'Reason that'll save us a pile of ridin'. "'We'll sit tight here in Sour Creek for a while "'and catch Sinclair right here. "'Do you know how? "'By watching Cartwright and Sanderson. "'As sure as there's a sky over us, "'Sinclair is going to make a try at one of them. "'They both hate him.' Well, you can lay to it that he hates him back. And a man that Sinclair hates, he's going to get sooner or later, chiefly sooner. Sheriff, keep an eye on them two tonight, and you'll have Sinclair playing right into your hands. Looks to me, muttered Red Chalmers, like you had a grudge against Cartwright and Sanderson, using them for live bait and us for a trap. Why not? asked Arizona, sitting down. And rubbing his fat hands, much pleased with himself. Why not, I'd like to know. In the meantime, Bill Sanderson had gone down to the street, still with the staring eyes of a sleepwalker. It was evening, and from the open street he looked out and up to the mountains, growing blue and purple against the sky. He had heard Hal Sinclair talk about Riley and Riley's love for the higher mountains. They were his country and a great surety dropped upon him that the fat man of the posse had been right. Somewhere in those mountains, Sinclair was lurking, ready for a descent upon Sour Creek. Now Sanderson grew cold. All that was superstitious in his nature took him by the throat. The fate which he had felt to be fighting with him, he now was equally sure, was aligned against him. Otherwise... Why had the posse refused to accept him as a member? For only one reason. He was doomed to die by the hand of Riley Sinclair, and then, no doubt, Riley Sinclair would fall in turn by the bullets of the posse. The shadows were pouring out of the gorges of the western mountains, and night began to invade the hollow of Sour Creek. Every downward step of those shadows was to the feverish imagination of Sanderson A forecast of the coming of Sinclair. Sinclair coming in spite of the posse, in spite of the price upon his head. In the few moments during which Sanderson remained in the street watching, the tumult grew in his mind. He was afraid. He was mortally in terror of something more than physical death. And, like the cornered rat, he felt a sudden urge to go out and meet the danger halfway. A dozen pictures came to him of Sinclair slipping into town under cover of the night, of the stealthy approach, of the gunplay that would follow. Why not take the desperate chance of going out to find the assailant and take him by surprise instead? The mountains. That was the country of Sinclair. Instinctively, his eyes fell and clung to the greatest height he could see, a flat-topped mountain due west of Sour Creek sanderson swung into his saddle and drove out of sour creek toward the goal and into the deepening gloom of the evening chapter twenty one